Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Friday, February 12th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Going to fly solo today to talk about some Major League Baseball as spring training opens up the middle of next week. Very much looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to releasing my 2021 MLB betting guide, which I'm looking to release here on February 25th. So just 13 days away from that. So I figured pretty good time to fly solo here on the show on this Friday edition. Talk about baseball, then get back to writing there in that MLB betting guide. Over at ATS.io, lots of great content for you on a daily and weekly basis over there at the website. Picks and predictions across the NBA, college basketball, NHL, all the stuff that's going on. Picks for the UFC 258 event this weekend, as well as two great new user offers over at DraftKings Sportsbook for you to check out in that UFC 258 preview. Uh, We do golf previews over there. We do NASCAR previews over there. Lots of great stuff going on over at ATS.io. We highly, highly encourage you to check everything out that's over there. And I also encourage you to check out the ATS app, which you can download in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Full article integration from the website, so you'll never miss anything from there. But it's also a bet tracker and a live odds screen and a stats database to help you with your handicapping of the games. And if you don't want to do the work yourself or you want a second opinion, you can subscribe to the premium model in that ATS app, which is $9.99 a week, $19.99 a month. You'll get those selections sent to you if you subscribe to that premium model in the ATS app. Again, it works for Android, works for iOS. You can find direct links based on your device over at ATS.io. Or you can search against the spread in either the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. So like I said, I'm going to talk some baseball here on today's edition of the show. A lot of good shows throughout the week here. A lot of actionable college basketball content Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Talked about the Daytona 500 with Brian Blessing on Tuesday. We also discussed the NHL betting market and Pebble Beach, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, where you know after the second round here, You may be able to get some good futures prices on some of those guys out there in the marketplace. So lots of good content this week on the show, and hopefully I can finish it up on a high note here on this Friday. As I said, getting ready for the season, working on that 2021 MLB betting guide, which will be posted under the ATS.io name for the first time. This is something I've done over the last several years over at Bang the Book. Uh, did it last year. You know, obviously, of course, that wound up being kind of null and void because of COVID-19. As far as right now, things look to be starting on time. Teams expecting to play 162 games. Looks as though, you know, we should have fans in most venues across the country. And who knows, maybe by the summertime, we'll be back to pretty close to full capacity with some of these teams. But I am writing the guide as if we will have all 162 games. They are doing the seven-inning doubleheaders, and they are doing the extra inning rule. Not sure how much that will tangibly impact any of my season win total thoughts, but it is at least something to consider for those rainouts and some of those games that may be postponed by some lingering COVID-19 outbreaks. But I got 15 AL first drafts written up. going to start working on the National League now. Uh, In this guide, it'll be all 30 teams previewed from a season win total standpoint. But also, if you read between the lines in there, there will be some individual player nuggets, specifically with regards to starting pitchers, that should be actionable on a day-by-day basis. 
uh, but also full futures breakdowns for each division, both pennants and the World Series. Player futures as well for the Cy Young MVP, Home Run King, which is one of my favorite articles to write. So this thing is chock full of content, to say the least. I do use a lot of sabermetric analysis in the guide, but I do have a glossary section that will tell you what all of those stats mean. And of course, throughout the team previews, I elaborate a little bit more on what some of those advanced metrics actually mean, what they entail, how to interpret them, all of that. So even if you are somebody who's more of an old school baseball viewer, an old school baseball handicapper, still like things like batting average and ERA, stuff like that, this will be a learning tool for you as well to learn some of the more advanced statistics that are out there and just to understand the game of baseball on a little bit of a different level. Now, of course, this comes from a betting context, which is you know the context of ATS.io, but it's still a really good thing from a fantasy standpoint as well for those that play fantasy baseball. And again, just a different way of looking at and evaluating the game, something that I'm very proud of. It's been a strength of mine for the last 15 years kind of breaking down some of these advanced baseball concepts to people that may not be all that familiar with them, or maybe reinforcing those concepts for people that know what those stats mean. So I am very proud of this publication. It'll be available in individual team preview format on different pages over at ATS.io. It will be available in a PDF top to bottom. And I'm working on trying to find some of those sites that will develop it into more of an ebook format, kind of a flip book so to speak. So going to try to have a lot of different ways to get this thing out to you this year, trying to enhance the product a little bit, but you will be able to read everything over at ATS.io and you can follow me on Twitter at skating tripods, where I will send out links for all the different ways to get the guide. So right now in major league baseball, a lot of minor league deals, you know, teams are just trying to grab some lottery tickets, grab some free agents to non-guaranteed contracts a lot of guys were unsigned as we headed into the month of February with spring training getting started. Now, a lot of these guys have probably had offers for minor league deals, but they were holding out, trying to get guaranteed money from somewhere. Now they just have to bet on themselves. Take these non-guaranteed deals, these non-roster invites, stuff like that. Go to spring training and see how things play out for them. Now, a lot of times these are guys that have major league track records that have been around the block quite a bit, just can't get guaranteed jobs, can't get guaranteed roster spots for one reason or another. So these are important things to look at. I know the wording of a minor league deal, you know, makes it sound like something that you don't want to pay attention to, but these are generally good depth guys, veteran players that have a good chance at making the 26 man roster. And as I'll talk about more, as we go down the line here, depth is one of the largest considerations for me in the season win total markets. And because of what these players had to contend with last year with the shortened season, I think organizational depth will be more important than ever. And like I said, I will talk about that a little bit later here in today's solo show. As far as some splashier moves that have happened here recently, uh, Trevor Bauer signing with the Dodgers. Of course, that's you know the biggest splash that we've seen uh, since the Nolan Arenado trade between the Rockies and the Cardinals. So Bauer goes to the Dodgers. And a very good fit for him. He's back on the West Coast. He's a California kid, went to UCLA. I think that's ultimately where he wanted to end up. Looked like it was going to be between the Dodgers and the Mets. Bauer, of course, goes to the Dodgers. $40 million this year with an opt-out. $45 million next year with an opt-out. Much smaller base salary in the third year. So I would expect him to opt out 
probably after the second season, Bauer will probably not continue the Cy Young pace from last year, but I would expect him to be very good. Goes to a Dodgers team that on paper was already the World Series favorite. We saw their World Series futures price dip down a little bit more with that Bauer signing. You know, this isn't super impactful to me, though, in the sense that the Dodgers were already going to be very good. You know, their first season win total from win bet, 100.5. I would expect other places in the market to open even higher than that. So Bauer makes a, a, a very, very good team, an even better team. And so from a future standpoint, won't have a lot of interest or investment in the Dodgers, but, you know, a nice safety net for the Dodgers here because Clayton Kershaw has the back injuries, because we know Walker Bueller has been brought along a little bit slowly. And something else about Bauer, and we saw this in Cleveland, and we saw this in Cincinnati, Bauer is the kind of guy that if his teammates are willing to listen to him, he can elevate each and every one of them because he has such a great understanding of the scientific side of pitching. Things like spin, things like velocity, things like, you know, all the different stuff he talks about. He even has his own metric called Bauer units that he and Kyle Bodie put together over at Driveline Baseball. So guys for the Dodgers that maybe lag, lag behind a little bit, uh, relievers potentially, all guys that could be positively impacted by this signing. So there is that. And so when I look at the Dodgers, you know, you look at a very high floor team, you look at a very high ceiling team, Bauer increases both. So yeah, I'm not stepping in front of the Dodgers and picking their season win total under. It's not going to happen. I'm probably not going to play it because it'll probably be in that 101.5, 102.5 range. There's not a lot of margin for error when you're talking about a win total that high. But again, you know, this is a, a guy that won't do much for them from a record standpoint because they're going to be great anyway. But I do think that there are areas of the ball club that he will improve both with his performance and also with what he can share with other guys. So the best get better. You know, the rich get richer basically is, is what it boils down to there with Bauer and the Dodgers. Interesting trade over the last couple of days here between the Red Sox, the Mets, and the Royals. Andrew Benintendi gets away from Boston, goes to the Kansas City Royals. And I think for Benintendi, this is a really good move for him. I think part of the problem is that he started so well in a market where there is a lot of criticism, you know, because the sports teams just have such an exceptionally high standard. And then as he started to falter a little bit, had some injuries, I think that the additional pressure he put on himself was a primary cause for why he struggled. Now he goes to a lower stress environment in Kansas City, you know, a younger team, a team that doesn't have the same level of expectations. It will hurt his offensive profile to leave Fenway Park. There's no question about that. But Kauffman Stadium plays kind of small in the summertime. Ball carries really well to the alleys, stuff like that. So I think this is a good move for Benintendi. And furthermore, I think it's a good move for the Royals as well. Maybe Franchi Cordero has more upside than Benintendi. That is a possibility. But Cordero is a little bit of a higher risk profile to me. So I think Benintendi, a guy that, you know, fits really nicely, a controlled asset that they'll have for a little bit as they kind of start to try to build things back up there uh, in barbecue land. So I like this Benintendi move for the Royals. Maybe Cordero thrives at Fenway Park. I don't know, but I don't necessarily like this move a whole lot for Boston, a team that has been shedding payroll, uh, you know, with 
pretty consistent regularity here and will continue to do so over the next few years as the opportunities are presented to do that. I have no idea what the hell is up with this Chris Davis and Elvis Andrews deal between the Texas Rangers and the Oakland A's. In fact, I just wrote my first drafts of Oakland and Texas yesterday, and I will tell you that I'm down on both of these teams. And it surprises me to be down as far as I am on Oakland, a team that, you know, as I talk about a lot in my guide, as I talked about a lot already with these first drafts, I'm a big believer in teams that utilize analytics for a lot of their decision-making, a lot of their player acquisition. Because these are the types of teams that find ways to squeeze every ounce of production, every ounce of improvement out of their in-house personnel. And generally speaking, with their acquisitions via trade, free agency, waivers, something like that, they find guys that have something that other people aren't seeing. And then they wind up doing a really good job of maximizing that skill set or that edge or that improvement at the margins, something like that. The A's have been great at doing this for a long period of time. With their meager payrolls, they made the playoffs in six of the last nine seasons. So they've done a really good job of threading that needle, which is really, really hard to do. I don't see the thought process behind this Elvis Andrews deal. You know, they did need a middle infielder with Marcus Semien signing with uh, Toronto. So I guess that's really the root cause of it. They give up Chris Davis, who has had back-to-back poor offensive seasons. Maybe he figures it out in Texas. This is just a change of scenery deal to me with a couple of teams swapping bad contracts, Texas taking on Chris Davis, who has a not as bad of a contract as Elvis Andrews. But when I looked at both of these teams, I was not impressed with them on paper or in practice with the statistics and the things I saw from last season. So you read about that more in the guide here in about 13 days, but down on both Oakland and Texas for this upcoming season. Lastly, didn't really talk about it a whole lot, but the Nolan Arenado deal going from Colorado to St. Louis, the Rockies also giving St. Louis $50 million in that deal to take on Arenado's contract. I'm not really sure what Colorado is doing here as a whole, I know Arenado was unhappy. They wanted to honor his trade request. They wanted to get out from under the contract that they signed him to prior to the 2019 season. But they got nothing back of great consequence in this deal. Austin Gomber might be okay. But beyond that, they paid $50 million and gave up their best player for ultimately nothing. But that being said, the Rockies are going to be a rock bottom team. We know that. I want to look at how this impacts the St. Louis Cardinals. And I think that to a degree, this deal has been overblown a little bit for St. Louis. Now, Arenado, even if the course field effect happens offensively and his numbers do lag, he's still a great defensive player. So there is that. That will upgrade the Cardinals defense significantly and do so immediately. But... As I look at these four teams here in the Central Division, excluding the Pirates, of course, who are going to be you know, quite possibly the worst team in the National League, these four teams still seem relatively interchangeable to me. You know, As long as the Cubs don't trade Chris Bryant, they still have a good offense. I don't know what the pitching staff is going to do. Probably not much. They're probably the fourth team to me as of now. The Reds, you know, they're doing smart things off the field and on the field. If they could ever find an offense, they'd be a very competent team. The Brewers picked up Colton Wong. That was an excellent signing for them. Big fan of that move. And it really did change my opinion of the Brewers here coming into the season. But of course, the Cardinals make the splashiest move 
getting Nolan Arenado. And frankly, they needed Nolan Arenado. The offense was pretty pedestrian and could very well be anyway. The pitching staff beyond Jack Flaherty is not something that greatly excites me. So I think this Cardinals love with the Arenado move is a little bit overblown here. So again, as I do more research for the National League, I'll kind of get more of a concrete opinion on that. But at least at the surface here right now, while Arenado is a great player, could be an impact player for the Cardinals, I still don't love the team around him. So we'll see what happens here as they get into camp and as they kind of take a look at what they've got going on. Wanted to talk for a few minutes here about the futures market and look specifically here at World Series futures. Now, I don't think that there's any reason to dive in with these right now because the last thing you want to do is put yourself into a situation where let's say you take an Angels price at 44 to 1 or something like that, pulling these numbers from DraftKings, by the way. Let's say you take an Angels price at 44 to 1 and Anthony Rendon gets hurt in spring training or Mike Trout gets hurt in spring training and it's some sort of long-term injury or something like that. You can wipe your ass with that ticket. Because the Angels are the type of team where they absolutely have to have both of those guys and have both of those guys healthy to have any chance at being a decent team, let alone a playoff contender and a possible World Series team. The Indians, you know, let's say that Shane Bieber gets shut down with shoulder discomfort or something like that. You're holding 40 to 1 with a team that has a low offensive profile and now the reigning Cy Young Award winner is going to miss an indefinite period of time. Things like that make me really cautious of jumping into the World Series futures market. Now, with that being said, when I write the guide, I will have some picks, some leans, things of that sort from a future standpoint, but I'm not going to rush to bet on any of them. This is a situation to me with Major League Baseball where I don't want to say I'm not as worried about the price because that's not really the right thing to say, but I also want to make sure that the star players make it through camp okay. Once the season starts, all bets are off. It is what it is. But the last thing I want to do is dive headfirst into this market, and all of a sudden, you know, you look at the White Sox, for example, Jose Abreu, you know, blows an Achilles covering a play at first. Or, you know, Luis Robert tears an ACL in the outfield. Something like that. I don't want those things to happen. And a big part of it is because I don't want to bet the chalk. I don't want to take the Dodgers at plus 350. I don't want to take the Yankees at plus 550. I don't even want to take the Padres at plus 800 or the White Sox at plus 850 or even the Braves or Mets at 10 to 1. I'm looking for longer shots. I'm looking for teams in the 20 to 40 to 1 range, 20 to 50 to 1 range. So for those teams, because they're not as deep, because they're more dependent on a lower number of star players, then teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees, something like that. I need those guys to get to the season healthy. So I'm not really diving into the futures market all that much, at least in terms of pennant or World Series futures, this early in the process. I will deal with, you know, the the Nationals going from 33 to 1 to 28 to 1 or something like that. I will deal with that to know that Max Scherzer is in one piece, to know that Steven Strasburg doesn't have many lingering effects of missing most of last season to know that Juan Soto is going to play opening day. So it is important to shop around. It is very important to try to acquire as much hedging margin as possible by getting the best prices that you can. 
But at the same time, you know, you've got to you have to weigh that you know delicate balance of knowing that guys are able to make it to opening day. So again, it's one of those things that's a challenge because you want to get the best price possible. But I also don't think that these numbers are going to move that much over the next four, five, six weeks. I just don't think it's going to be a thing. People are going to be more consumed with March Madness, more consumed with the NBA, the you know uh, the second half of the NBA season, things of that sort. So I think it's one of those things to me where I will wait. I will wait and see how things are kind of shaking out. See, you know, if the pitchers are healthy, coming back to a full spring training, stuff like that. But as we look at some of these prices here, as I sort of look at, you know, ones that could be of interest to me, 